In this episode of The Ziggler Show, we're talking about the very real struggle with opportunity. I mean, we so fervently talk about goals and desires and going after them, right? But seldom talk about the obstacles along the way. I mean, with any new achievement of any worth, there are relevant obstacles we must take into consideration. I mean, discomforts and risks. And what you'll hear in this show after I polled the Ziegler audience is our biggest issue comes down to us, ourselves, our own fears and limiting beliefs and perceptions. So I play a clip from Zig Ziegler on this topic, and then Tom and I tackle this challenge we all acutely face. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. Every week, I publish four podcast episodes over three different shows that have been downloaded over 50 million times now. So much of personal development and self-help addresses issues in our lives that are symptomatic and we don't make the changes we want. So I dig into the root issues of what will help us achieve the progress and results we desire in our work and our life and our health. This is The Ziggler Show, ranked number two in all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts. And here we focus on progress in our professional lives. Again, our work, our vocation, our businesses. My other podcast is The Motive Podcast. It's focused directly at you, yourself, your motives. They're your reasons for all you do and the root of your behavior on personal ability. In episode 24, I take aim at the term of leadership as a motive, and I question whether it really is a motive for many of us and how we can better perceive, embrace, and benefit from this leadership culture that's so pervasive right now. Then in my True Life podcast, we key in on your necessary physical and mental capacity for the purpose of allowing you to freely do what you really want to do and not be held back by your body. In episode 66, our focus is dementia. It's an issue that used to be such a rarity and it's now become one of the greatest fears of, it feels like everybody over 50. It's getting to the point now of expecting that mental impairment is a given for aging and it's just not. I mean, does genetics play a part? Yes, but it should be negligible. Does lifestyle play a part? Yes, the biggest part. And if hearing that you have massive control over whether you get dementia or any cognitive decline is enticing, you're going to want to hear the great news in this episode. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. Well, that morning I spoke at the college itself the auditorium was absolutely packed. I mean, uh, the students and uh, faculty and visitors from in town were standing uh, all the way around the back. As I started, I could not help but notice that on the very front row, there were seven empty seats. And I noticed over here on this side, on the uh, second row, uh, there were five empty seats. And so I said to the people who were standing, I said, we have seven empty seats right down here and five over here. Why don't you come on down and take a comfortable seat for this presentation? All you got to do is walk 15 or 20 steps. You're here. I'm here to tell you that only one person came on down and occupied that front row. None came over here. Now, with plenty of front row seats available... Only one of them was chosen. I said to the group, I wish it were possible for me to reach down if I were strong enough and had the time to literally take these seats up and move them to the back and give them to you. But I'm just not that strong. We don't have that kind of time. And I'm certain the administration would not smile at uh, me doing that if I could. 
The seats are available, but you've got to take the steps to get there. Now, on this other, the second row, I got to tell you, there are some obstacles you got to overcome because these five seats happen to be in the middle of the row. But these look like congenial people. They might even uh, help you get past that particular obstacle. I said, that's life itself. Because whatever you get, there's going to be some obstacles that stand between you and them. But it's up to you to take the steps. It was quite an experience for me. And the message I'm delivering, major point, is that front row seats are available, but you've got to go claim them. And there's some obstacles along the way. You've got to climb those obstacles. We have a tremendous need in our America today for front row people. Tom, everybody listening to the podcast will have just heard the clip from your dad, from Zig Ziglar, on front row seats, being front row seat people, meaning if there is that prime thing, and I'm going to say that opportunity out there, it is going to take some overcoming, overcoming your embarrassment, overcoming some obstacles. And it just, it just, you know, hit me that, I mean, we sit here in personal development and on this show and talk about your goals and your desires and going after them and do the right steps. And it occurred to me that I, I at least don't spend enough time focusing on the reality of if there is something new that we want, something new we want to achieve, something worthwhile, of course there's an obstacle. And that's generally the biggest thing. I mean, I think about myself and if I lay out all the things that I want, why am I not going after them? Why aren't they just easily achieved the next day? There's some kind of an obstacle that I have to deal with that I may not want to, I may not be ready to, it may just be that, you know, the time and the effort and trying to squirrel that away and time management, what there is some obstacle. And I don't personally spend enough time thinking about that for myself or talking about it here on the show. And, you know, I say that to you and, and you get, you've been dealing with this for forever with people going after goals. Um, yeah, is there is there a primary part? Do we have Ziggler curriculum that I'm not thinking of that really talks about that? It says, look, if you're going after something worthwhile, there is an obstacle. Let's talk about that. Well, we we teach that um, in everything. It's in Choose to Win. It's in See You at the Top. It's in our goal setting uh, formula. Uh, you know, right out of the gate it kind of goes like this. If you don't want it, if you have no desire, then any obstacle will do. Okay. 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 So sure. <laughs> I remember I wrote something, I wrote something this morning and we were talking about the craziness of our times and how people will use anything to justify something. And, and I remember when I was a kid, I'd say, Hey dad, you know, can you buy me that toy? And he'd say, no. And I'd say, why? And he'd say, well, Ham is a dollar oh nine a pound. And I said, what does that have to do with it? He said, nothing. You know, any excuse will do. You're not, getting, <laughs> you're not getting the toy. So if we have a if we don't have the desire, yeah, right, then any any obstacle is good enough. So we've really got to have the desire. Well, then in our in our goal setting system. Step one is you write it down. Step two is you identify the benefits. The reason you do that is to 
build the desire. The motive. Yeah, absolutely. Right. The motive. Somebody should have a there's, podcast called motive. Somebody should have a podcast on that. Motive. Everybody should go look and see if there's one that exists. Go ahead. Maybe the greatest podcast host in all the land. Maybe. <laughs> Says Tom Ziegler. Thank you, brother. <laughs> uh, and so that's what you do is you've got to really want it. And especially if there is going to be a lot of obstacles in it. And Seth Godin in the in his book, The Dip, talked about how the time to quit medical school is, bef- you know, before you enroll. I mean, yeah. before you <laughs> before you try to get it, because if you don't really want it, then you're not going to get through the dip, the, the challenges. And then the next three steps are, I, or the next step, the third step is identifying the obstacles. The obstacles, the mountains to climb, the things that we've got to overcome to get it. And so in the book, Choose to Win, uh, you know, we, we talk about the ropes that are tying us down, the, the ropes that are keeping us from living out our why, fulfilling our purpose. And these ropes have to be cut. And so usually the obstacle isn't the ones that are harder to overcome aren't the, the things that we don't know that we can learn. <laughs> it's the things that we believe are holding us back and we don't cut that. Well, so I'm interested in that. Well, you know, let me divulge to everybody. So I, I posted this question on Facebook and I said, and I was trying to, you know, fish for responses as I always do every week. And I said, what is an obstacle risk or discomfort you had to finally overcome in order to achieve something you desired? And I'm thinking, you know, somebody who says, oh, I wanted to be in the Air Force Academy, but we had no money. And I had a, I went to a poor school, some of these. And I, I, you know, and this is on me. I obviously phrased that in a way almost, and I'm not even going to go down and respond to or, or read them all. Almost 90% of them just said something to the effect of, I had to overcome me. Wait, well, Wade, me, myself, and I. Katarzyna, fear. Jessica, Jessica Moyer, one of our ZLC coaches, self-doubt, not feeling good or worthy enough. Uh, Leslie, fear. Uh, R.B. Williams, my own self-doubt. Uh, I mean, it's just over and over and over. David Powers, my biggest obstacle is always an inner voice that whines and wants me to quit. Eric Harrison, fear, uh, having confidence in myself. That is not what I was looking for. And yet that's interesting that people brought that out. I mean, I guess we could say that it's, it's kind of simplistic though. What's the first obstacle? Me. Uh, and we know that, I mean, that is the core of, you know, Ziegler message and, uh, having our, you know, dealing with our self-image and self-confidence. I, I, I want to talk about some specifics though, Tom, in regards to certain endeavors, but that one, I mean, I guess we could say ultimately that one, that one covers them all to some degree. It's all me. Maybe that's one that's worthy of getting on the table. The biggest obstacle in any endeavor is going to be me and my real and perceived limitations. Yeah. hundred percent. And this is just a little uh, kind of coaching insight when we work with business owners uh, with Howard Partridge and the way, the way I look at it, my view is I, I create a target. And in that target, the, the center circle, like an archery target, that's the owner. And if the owner's right, right, if we can get the owner thinking right, behaving right, building race relationships correctly, then everything is easier. If the owner's wrong, like if, like if there's bad relationship patterns or 
they've they've got something going on that's a limiting belief that keeps them from doing something, the business is always going to struggle. And so that's the center ring. And then the next ring is systems. So the business owner, in order to scale and grow their business, they got to put systems in place in marketing and sales and operations and administration and leadership. And then the third ring is you got to develop your people, right? If you're going to scale beyond yourself, a sole proprietorship, you've got to bring in, develop, encourage, grow, motivate, inspire your people, equip them to take on more responsibility. Well, here's the problem. When you market to a business owner and you say, uh, hey, you're the problem, nobody buys. (laughs) True. So so the way you market to them is you say, uh, hey, do you have a revenue problem? I mean, would profitable sales solve your problems? And they'll go, yeah. Or you say, hey, you know, you've, you've figured out the marketing side, but are you leaking? You know, where does all the money go? Well, you have an operational issue. You, you know, you have an overhead. And so what you do, what you learn is to work with business owners is you look at it as a package. Hey, we're going to come in and we're going to solve. We're going to help you create more revenue. We're going to help you operate more efficiently. This is going to put more profit on the bottom line right? Which is what they want. What do people want? They want a turnkey profitable business that just runs, right? It it solves all their problems. It's the vehicle that gets them to their dreams. And so what we do in the middle of all that is we sell them what they want, which is those two things. And then we give them, we package in what they need is, hey, you've got to change your thinking. You got to change your view. If, If what you've been doing for the last five years isn't working, maybe you should consider looking at it differently. Maybe you should consider developing yourself so you build better relationships, right? Yeah. And so on a personal level, it's the same thing here. And everybody who commented on your page hit on that immediately. They recognize just like the business owner, the way to scale my business is is to fix me. So the people here are more yeah. aware than your typical business owner. They're like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, hey, if I want to have better relationships and if I want whatever my career is, if I want it to be more successful, if I want to get in better health, if if I want to have better family relationships, it starts with working on me and usually fear and self-doubt. So now uh, the fear of loss is a much bigger motivator than the hope of gain Mm -hmm. right yeah and so a lot of times and dave ramsey says this a lot people don't change until they get sick and tired of being sick and tired sure sure and and so what that means is is when are when is somebody most likely to to change when is somebody most likely to open up and risk uh you know, risk discomfort to overcome the obstacle, to make themselves vulnerable. It's usually when they get sick and tired of being sick and tired, or so they're in a lot of pain, or they've got such a crystal clear vision of what life could be. Yeah. And they're willing to do something different to get it. Uh, the, the, the bummer in that 
is that, I mean, you're right. You're totally right. We know that statistically, most of us know that experientially, that we are much more motivated by pain than desire. Man, it's just the, you know, the stats tell us the truth there. And yet when we wait till that pain is big enough, we're usually not in as good of a position to address whatever it is uh, as we would be if we did it before the pain got that bad. Case in point where so many people stay in a job they don't enjoy, don't like, but won't move because of the obstacles, because of the golden handcuffs, all those kind of things. And it, it, they wait until they're fired, let go, whatever happens. Then they're in survival mode and they got to make something happen quick for their personal income. Now we have a lot of people obviously say, Hey man, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me to get fired from that place finally. And then I went and found something better, but my experience is they didn't find something as good as they probably could have if they'd taken the time to use, use time and resources outside of survival mode. Uh, to go after that. And I think about that for myself, Tom, I'm no different. I'm trying to get to the point of, can I be mature enough to address that thing before it gets critical? I mean, I'll use marriage as a primary one, how, uh, especially for guys, I think, how prone are we to know things are a little off, know things that need to be addressed, but man, we just endure. We kind of hope it'll, it'll keep going and not get too bad. And it's not until things get really bad at the point of disaster in a marriage that you then go and get counseling. And as you know, man, it's so hard to work your way out of that. How much better to be over here? Same thing. Well, same thing with you as a coach. I mean, who do you want? Somebody who comes along and goes, gosh, I think I could do better, or I'm seeing some issues. Can you help me? As opposed to somebody who walks in and goes, I think we're about a day away from bankruptcy. Can you help me, Tom? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, one of them's fun. One of them's uh, trauma. Trauma. And there's no way you can make the best. You don't have time to make the best. Doesn't mean you can't help. Doesn't mean there's, there's not some ability there. Well, you know, to what you said though, Tom, what you started off with, you know, a quick testimony back when I ran free agent Academy, I started this business to help people who wanted to go to traditional or go from traditional employment to self-employment started that out in my business. My focus was business, man. I love to hear what you want to do, hear what you're interested in, find an opportunity and find a place for that in the marketplace, not to minimize that, but I enjoy that process. And what we found out after, I don't know, a year, two years, whatever, is that that wasn't the hardest thing we could connect with somebody figure them out, audit them, find out about them, find out what their interests, abilities, experience, talents, skills, giftings, all that stuff was. Take that, find an idea that fit them for a business. Then we could go out and brand it, build something and you know, find an opportunity in the marketplace. Again, I, I'm not, I don't mean to minimize this, but we can do that. And yet then we'd find time would go on and time would go on and time would go on and nothing's happening. And it drew us to becoming more of a personal development entity than business development, because that's where the breakdown was, which, yeah, coming back to what you said, shouldn't surprise me that we got these responses from our obviously more highly evolved, mature audience of aspiring people here that bypassed what I was looking for. And they said, the issue is me. And you know, Tom, I mean, how do you think about yourself right now? Because when I think about all the things, if I put my list of goals up here on the wall beside me, and I'll stick with business goals right now, just to make, just to make it easy. If I put my business goals up there, at this point, for the most part, Tom, I think I have the ability, 
I mean, I've been at this for a long time. I, I think I have the ability. I've proven quite a bit, you know, in the arena that I'm going after. I think I have the ability. I have the funds. I have the, I have the, the resources uh, to go after it. What are my tangible obstacles? Well, my propensity is to say time. Time and, and maybe some insight, maybe some knowledge and wisdom. Time, But ultimately, what does that mean? It, it's, it's me. It is me. How can Kevin get the right thing? How can I manage my, my family responsibilities and desires, my own health and wellness and, and personal side? What I do know, how do I, how do I deal with these resources? And it's me. It is, it is me. My own limitations sound negative. I don't mean to be negative with that, but I mean, you only know what you know. And at this point, I'd say, gosh, there are some places I want to progress to. I don't know. I'm going to have to get help. And I just today reached out for a specific type of coaching in one area that I'm looking for because I'm, I'm kind of at the limit of me. Uh, I guess that's what we all get to, isn't it? It is. We, we get to the point where uh, we give up or we take action. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to give up. My family would be a little disappointed. You know, they like their house. Uh, <laughs> they like to eat. <laughs> You are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on obstacles in front of our goals. Next, we dig more into business-specific obstacles, and we'll be right back to it after I share some great resources with you. It's interesting. This, again, I, this is why I appreciate these Q&As. They, don't, uh, they bring up probably you know, the better truth than what I, what I looked at. But yeah, so let's say if we, if we do stick on business for a minute, Tom. And think about what are the obstacles. Well, everybody's out here. They want to grow their business. You know, what are the obstacles that we have to get over? And I, and I like the idea of discomfort because so often I can look at obstacles. Maybe we could, 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 we, could we separate out obstacles into the ones that look like resources? Okay, if you don't have enough money, maybe that's not so much about you. That's yeah, a you know, literal resource issue and not enough money. Um, not enough, you know, you need to go learn something. You can learn most things you need to in a $14, uh, book. But, you know, when you look at your own self doubt, obviously, uh, look at the, you know, what are the tangible obstacles that we all deal with in business? I mean, in your executive coaching, Tom, what would you say? And again, I know it's easy to say it's, it's the person, but what are some of the tangible ones that you see people and it's that discomfort, it's what's, what's uncomfortable. What are the uncomfortable things? Again, you know, having to deal with some of the money, knowledge, resources or not. A lot of times it's the, the, the thing that's uncomfortable for me. I don't want to try to create a process because I'm not good at that. I don't want to delegate that delegate because I have control issues. I don't want to deal with this bad thing that's happening because it's a relational issue and I don't like conflict. Those are the things that I think of when I think of discomfort. And when Zig's talking, your dad's talking about the front row, why didn't those people want to come down? Well, it's embarrassing. It's, it's cumbersome. I just stay in the back, even though the front row where they can hear and partake uh, is the best place with the best outcome. It's uncomfortable. So that I want to hit on that discomfort. What are the discomforts that you see from your successful business people sitting across the table from you that want to achieve more? Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things that, that just kind of always uh, are highlighted as far as 
you know, what's holding somebody back. Uh, I'm looking for my notes on this because I want to make sure that I say this correctly. Uh, and the first one is fear of inadequacy. Right. I, I, I can't do that. You know, what if what if uh, what if I what if I can't learn it? I don't know enough. I, I don't have the skills. Uh, I don't have what it takes. I'm, you know, I'm, it's, it's not going to be accepted. Powerlessness. Hmm. And this is where the fear of that, where, where, you know, we focus on what we can't do and don't have control over versus what we can do and do have control over. And the fear of rejection. Right. And so this is that's a huge one because it's just ingrained in our culture that we're our identity is our performance level. It's what we have. It's what we do. And one of the things that's made the United States over the last 150 years, what it is, is this cultural identity of celebrating entrepreneurs who fail five, six, seven, eight, nine times before they hit the home run. You go to different cultures around the world, whether it's Japan or whatever, and it's more of a shame-based approach and you can't afford a failure, right? You can't do it, and so, but still, it's just a natural thing. We don't wanna fail, we don't wanna be rejected, we don't wanna feel like we don't have enough. Uh, there's the, you know, don't, you've heard the saying, don't saddle a dead horse. And sometimes when we invest all that we have into something and it's not going the way we want it to, it's very difficult to step back away from it and go, huh, you know what? That didn't work yeah. because we equate that didn't work with us. Yeah. You know, dad said uh, failure is an event, not a person. Well, once we can step out of that, detach a little bit and say, hey, you know, what I do is not who I am and what I don't know isn't something I can, can you know, hold against me. My Once I figure out I don't know how to do it, I got to go find somebody who does. Mm -hmm. And there are certain personality types that I love. They're fearless and they, they don't care what they don't know. They just try it. And if it doesn't work, they go find somebody who knows how to do it. And somehow I've got this internal gear that says, well, you need to figure that out yourself because you don't want to look bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and as our buddy Randy James would say, we're all on the spectrum. You know, we don't have anybody who's completely imprisoned uh, to that. We don't have anybody that's totally free. And we probably have uh, all of us are not only on the spectrum, but we have different areas. Because I'd say there's some areas where I feel like that, Tom. I feel like, man, I'm okay. I can disconnect. I feel pretty fearless. You know, even in business. And then some other areas where I don't, and probably because just what you said, there, it, it hits on an issue of inadequacy, powerlessness, uh, rejection. I'm, I, I am and probably always will be enamored with the imposter syndrome because I have gotten to the point in my own evolution of being able to recognize it. Like I got this feeling to go, oh, it's the imposter syndrome. I can put it on there and go, it has, it, it's totally irrelevant. I mean, it's totally uh, moot. It's, it's not, I'm not an imposter. And yet I recognize that I feel that way and I, I can't overcome it, but I'm just going to go ahead anyways. But why is that there? Is that a, an adequacy? Is it a, a fear of rejection? I heard, I read somebody recently on the imposter syndrome, like the fear that will be found out. And 
I, I've thought that found found out as as what that I actually uh, don't know anything. I, I don't even know what I'm going to be found out about. I mean, I do these podcasts. I have interviewed all these people. I have all this history and success behind. And how would I ever feel? Uh, have imposter syndrome. I don't know, but I, it just pops up and I have to look at it, wave, and I don't understand you and go on. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever figure it all out, Tom, but at least being aware is step one, eh? It is. And our culture right now is there's this, there's this huge thing going on. And, and it's, we see it in the, in the debate, in the media and the special interest groups. And that is, there's this um, incredible argument about I'm arguing to be right. I want to prove that I'm right rather than to discover the truth. That's yeah. been a, that's been a huge thing. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, yeah. D- defining for me. And so, and then our culture said, well, we can all be right because whatever our own truth is. Yeah. We, we can all be right. Yeah. Um, that's you good. know, and, and so with kids, and so I'm going to go back to studies with kids and how this plays itself out. And we've all heard the study, you know, uh, what, is, what is a child's ability to delay gratification? You know, they put the cookie in front of them and they say, hey, if you don't eat this for an hour, we're going to give you three cookies. Yeah. Right. Well, then there's another study that kind of corresponds with that same idea of people who can delay gratification and they took two groups of kids and every time one group of kids would get the question right, they'd say, oh, you're so smart. You're so smart. You're so smart. And the other group of kids, every time they'd get the question right, they'd say, wow, you work hard. Kylie, hmm. I love your work ethic. You work so hard. You know, I love how you take extra time to figure it out. Well, they started escalating the difficulty of the questions. And the kids who they said, you're so smart, you're so smart, they gave up when the questions got hard. Why? Because they took satisfaction in getting it right. That's great. The, okay. The other kids, hmm. they kept going. Why? Because they got satisfaction in figuring it out. That's great. And so for those of you who might be stuck a little bit, Let's just somebody put in tobacco. Hey, don't don't take satisfaction in getting it right the first time. Take satisfaction in figuring out what's going to work for you to get over this. Right. You're, you're a little better every time. And so now in the cultural discourse, they're act, we're acting like kids. This is what I believe. And somebody says, well, what about this? Well, I don't like you leave. And and so they quit. They quit the argument. They claim the moral high ground. They refuse to take any more information in and they leave the argument. Right. It becomes a personal attack instead of let's discover the truth. And so what we need to do is we need to take joy in figuring things out and not holding ourselves responsible for not knowing what we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little bit is, is, uh, you know, just a cultural commentary of, of what we see in the news. A lot of people are being viewed through a lens of relativism today for things that were done 
without any context of all the things around it, you know, in the past. And so my question is, if we're going to learn and figure out the truth, how does erasing the past help that? So I look at my own life. There were things that I believed were true about food. Uh, you know, I heard that fish was good for you. So I'd go to Long John Silver's and eat fish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that qualifies as actual fish, which is the point. It's yeah. fish, man. It says it right it there on the order. It says it right there. Well, yeah. I look back at that and I go, oh, another breakthrough. Yeah, I can eat all I want as long as I work out. Mm. Yeah. I mean, now they're discovering that probably there is no such thing as an in-shape heavy person. <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah, it's not, not the way our body's designed. Yeah. Uh, does it give you a little bit of wiggle room or a little bit of extra time to figure it out? Yeah. So I'm not saying don't quit working out if it's a lie. I'm, I'm saying, Hey, own it, own the new information because isn't the truth that you want to discover to how to have the happiest, most fulfilling life to where you can serve others the way God intended for you to. Yeah. I mean, that's the journey that we're on. And if we can get closer to that every day, Let's take pride in that. Let's take, let's get our joy out of figuring it out. Well, so figuring it out. So it's interesting. I mean, there's the culmination of this show, I think, is figuring us out. So as we look at that, I even thought about it as an exercise, Tom, of taking the Ziegler Wheel of Life. I talk about it every month, twice, I take a guest through the Ziegler Wheel of Life and we go through the seven spokes. And if you're not aware of those here in this, go type in Ziegler Wheel of Life in your search engine. You'll find a whole bunch of variations or, or different depictions of it. But seven spokes there. If we go through those, most of us have, hopefully, we have some desires, some goals in each area. Uh, we definitely will in some. And to look at those, and as you said, Tom, uh, as the Ziegler uh goal system work goes through to list out what do you see as the obstacles and what I think would be the curious, the enlightening in light of what we're talking about, the enlightening exercise would be what is my role in that? What is my own in at to own that? What is my own in at? I can put over here, I can put money as an obstacle, I could put time, I can put a hard conversation, conflict with somebody, I can put maybe even something more you know, tangible that I can't expand my restaurant because of a zoning issue. There are lots of things that may be outside of our control, but list them all out. But then I think we can take them all and extrapolate them down to go, what is my part in it? What is my own angst in that? And I think seldom do we find this kind of comes into the victim type conversation. What am I truly, is there any obstacle that I'm really a victim of? Even if I'm victimized by a zoning committee or whatever, or, or somebody, you know, stole all my money and I'm victim, but, to, but right now I have what I have. I am, I, you know, I, I've got whatever, uh, whatever abilities I've got. What is my personal I was going to say inadequacy, but that's, you know, if we look at those three, do I feel like an inadequacy and a powerlessness? Do I fear a rejection? And going back to what these people said, it's overcoming myself and overcoming fear, which again, is just a part of ourselves because we're human, but man, to get those on the table, Tom, and as you said, just to be aware of them and then say, how can I figure this 
out. That's one of the, yeah. So one of the things that I do um, when we get groups together is we might go through the dream process where people, they start writing down their goals and dreams their why, you know, and, and when you start going around the wheel, uh, you know, people usually have a health goal, you know, I want to be fit and, you know, good blood work, whatever, however they write it. And then they say, gosh, and a financial goal, you know, I want to be out of debt and I want to be secure and able to do what I want to do when I want to do it with who I want to do it, you know, by a certain time. And then they might have a family goal that, you know, that they're constantly pouring in and building family relationships. And they might have some big dreams. Hey, I want that, I want that mountain, mountain house, or I want to travel the world, right? Whatever yeah. it is. So we go through that. And then I'll ask the room of people, I'll say, Hey, do you guys trust me? And they're like, yeah, you know, you know, pretty much. I mean, you know, I'm not sure we're going to give you all our money, but we, we trust you. And I say, okay, repeat after me. And this is the statement that I have them repeat. Okay. So I say, okay, here we go. I am. And then the whole room says, I am. I am. <laughs> ridiculously in charge. Ridiculously in charge. Of my dreams. Of my dreams. Biggest self-affirmation ever. And the silence that you just heard listening to this, I let that go on for 20 to 30 seconds, which is a long time in a front of the room presentation. Even longer in a podcast. Yes. And you can literally see the facial expressions, the body language, the tilt of the chest and the shoulders, you know, ahas coming over people. And it's the first time for a lot of people where they've told themselves, nobody's in charge of my dream, but me. Hmm. And that is the first, you know, because it doesn't matter. Uh, my wife and I, we were talking about different addictions today, you know, whether it was alcohol or pornography or food or whatever. Um, most people who were in the middle of it, well, yeah, they irritated me. So I had, you know, I had to pop a cold one. Right. It's always somebody else or some circumstance or some issue I'm not getting what I need. Therefore, I've got to go take care of my needs by doing this. And so ultimately what they're doing is they are blaming and diverting responsibility away from that problem. Yeah. Okay. So if you own and take responsibility for achieving your dreams, which is a real positive thing to do, then it's, it's, it's easier to go to that next level where you can now own and take responsibility for the things that might be keeping you from achieving your dream. Yeah. Right. That is, yeah. I, I like the word addiction. We could do a whole show just on that. And we look at those issues of how often are we addicted? I'm going to go back to what you said a minute ago, to our own inadequacies, our powerlessness, our rejection. We feel like those are, we're victimized by those, but 
Man, there are some things, I mean, I can think of relationally, some of my, it's still, you know, at 50 years old, I'm amazed at how conflict averse that I am. And even recently thought about getting some help, but just with insight, doesn't make sense. Just kind of like the imposter syndrome doesn't make sense. And yet it's there. Is there, addiction's a hard word. I know people uh, give that maybe too much gravity because I think we're addicted to a lot of things. I'm addicted to some good things. Thank goodness. But we get so held on to some of those things. And, you know, back to what you said, Tom, you know, can we figure it out? I, I was uh, talking with my publisher recently and she was talking about uh, just from a book structure standpoint and whatnot. Or no, it was, it was you, Tom. Also, you're the second one to bring it up. M- Marie Forleo's book. It's all figure outable, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I think it was the last show that we did together. This is 870. It was probably 868. And you talked about that about when we look around, because it stuck with me, we look around and everything that exists, my computer monitor, my smartphone, this mug here made out of some ceramic, probably, uh, everything that we look at did not exist. Somebody thought of it, envisioned it before it existed and figured it out. We have more things. Ah, that's not true. I want to say we have more things being figured out today. It seems like they are at a faster rate. We've got AI helping us, you know, figure things out at a rapid rate. And it's amazing what, what, what happens there. And yet as a, as a people, I'm not sure we're figuring things out any quicker. And, and, and sometimes it feels like we're more delayed. Here we are in America with more knowledge, more access to it than ever, more conveniences, and if you looked at us from historical time as an alien, you would think, man, my gosh, they must be the happiest and healthiest they've ever been. Look at what they've done. Look what they figured out. And yet with all that, we haven't figured out how to be happy and well. Uh, and we are, are literally statistically sicker and sadder. Uh, we're not figuring it out as a, as a whole. Now, everybody listening to this, though, is not in that group. These are people that are figuring things out. So, yeah, it's, what, a, what a great reality from this tom what are you saying yeah so here's here's an idea so a lot of times in order to have a breakthrough um we have to forgive ourselves Mm. for what we knew and didn't do or didn't know and did and you know all those different things and so i'm going to put this in a cultural context again uh let's just say and i'll use me as the example let's just say I'm out speaking somewhere and I'm talking about faith and how relationships and the deepest grace and the highest standard and somebody from an opposite view says, blah, blah, blah. And they put me on the hot seat, right? They are trying to get me to take a position that can argue and quickly go into a, uh, a negative direction. Right. Right. And we see it, uh, all the time on TV and in the media. And so this is, this is the way I would respond as a Christ follower. I believe there are three ways, three virtues, three characteristics that I need to respond in. Number one is love. Number two is kindness. And number three is respect. Hmm. Okay. So this person with a, with a, with a life, uh, view that I completely, you know, from, from a lot of positions that, uh, you know, I'd say, I don't, I don't agree with that. I would immediately say to them, Hey, look, first off, you got to know, I respect you. And the reason for that is the creator of the universe made you. 
And while I may not agree with all of your views, I respect that you are a human being and you have every right and you have experiences that I, I don't know and understand. So, hey, you got to know respect is there. Number two is I love you. And I believe in love so much more than tolerance. <laughs> yeah. Right. And we've had that discussion here because uh, if I'm acting towards you in love, then that means that I'm constantly trying to uh, create an atmosphere that allows you to become the person that God created you to become. I see big and mighty and huge things in your future. And finally, kindness. And so my tone, my body language, the words that I choose, they should be with kindness towards you. Yeah. And I can tell that you are just uh, somebody who's passionate about this. And I would, I would think you'd probably agree that if we all communicated with each other with respect, love, and kindness, that the world would be a better place. And given all that, I just want you to know that there's a lot of people that I love deeply, that I have amazing respect for, and that I have been kind to, and they have been incredibly kind, kind to me. And we don't agree on everything. Yeah. And so agreeing on something has nothing to do with love, spec, respect, and kindness, okay? And so that is an outward view. And so for those of you who are trying to get this personal breakthrough, right, that you're trying to get over that obstacle that's holding you back, what if you decided to choose to love yourself, uh -huh. to respect yourself, and to be kind to yourself in that area? And now you take your mind, which actually operates and controls your brain. Your mind is the is what directs the brain into what direction to go. And you told your brain this simple thing. Let's get busy on this and figure this out. Yeah. Because being right or wrong or stuck, that's not the point. The point is to discover the truth yeah. and then take, just get excited about moving towards the truth to figuring it out, to discovering what matters and getting a little closer every day. And just look at the things that don't work and the setbacks and the relapses and all those things. They're, those are just there's things on the journey. And the more aware you become, the shorter the relapse time is and the less likely they happen. Yeah. Well, there you go. Another uh, show that was 10 times better than I perceived because it went the direction that it needed to, not the direction that I had foreseen. Man, I just, yeah, so great. So grateful for everybody's responses to these that make these weekly Q&A shows so good. And such a gift as always to do them with you, Tom. I love your insight and your uh, humility and your wisdom. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Okay, friends, I truly hope and expect this episode has you inspired and gave you insight into your own grappling, all of ours, with obstacles between us and our goals and desires. 
Coming up in episode 871, I bring Chandler Bolt back to discuss his habits for success. And I appreciated this episode because I don't often have single 20-year-old millionaire business owners on this show. So we get into some different uh, habits that Chandler brings to us. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.